Everybody and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon and with me for probably the final time it'll just be you and me, Sammy, for a while, hopefully. So, That's yeah. if we don't fire Woody. That is true and you know, <laughs> I think that pretty much might be the start and ending you know, line of this podcast. But Sam, we, we've got like a little makeshift set up here today, don't we? We do. We're on my uh, bedroom floor, which is a bit unconventional. The weather has been horrific, so we pretty much have to umbrella... The, the equipment in, here. Inside. We love the rain. It's good for the bushfires. Yeah, we're not complaining about it. But, um, uh, yeah, no, a bit of a makeshift here. I've got a, a, I lost the table that I had here last week, so that doesn't help. But I've just got the, the house carpeted, so it's nice and... Hopefully nice the sound's and, good. It's nice to sit on. Yeah, so for sure. So we're all right. Alrighty, um, Sam, we had a big week in the Premier League. Of course, just two of the top ten won on the weekend, which is incredible. That's and, an incredible round of football. And, and one of the big six, and obviously that was Liverpool, yeah. over Man United. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you can't really count that in the terms of, uh, is United a big club anymore? I don't really know, Dave. Well, is Arsenal, is so many of these is teams. Is Tottenham? Yeah, everybody is hopeless. <laughs> and in fact, in our notes here, we've got the top four race is a joke. That's absolutely. the name of this episode. Well, for us anyway. Sammy, do you want to do it again? Well, for the final time, I think do I'm that. going to savor this moment. I'm going to do it. Do give us those quick fire results. I'm just going to go with what I feel. I don't care if I change the order of the goals. I don't even care if I don't tell you what the the score was. Do I'm what feels you, natural. I'm just going to do what feels natural, and we'll go from there. Go. So, Watford drew with Tottenham nil all. Brighton drew with Villa one all. City drew with Palace two all. West Ham drew with Everton one all. Arsenal drew with Sheffield, 1-0. Norwich beat Bournemouth, 1-0. Southampton lost to the Wolves, 3-2. Newcastle down Chelsea, 1-0. Burnley got the job over Leicester, 2-1. And Liverpool did what they just keep doing and beat United, 2-0. That was that was good. That was very good. In fact, I don't think you started once there, Sam. So. I don't think I did either. And just on that last game... yeah. United. Keep in mind, we are game. about to talk about that United, but it was a costly game with Rashford ruled out. It was, and should we just get stuck straight into that injury in that um, game? I think, I mean, prior to the game, after three months with two stress fractures in his back, he left them even a vo- like a vulnerable United as, at, at best of times this year, even more vulnerable because he has been quite their best player, to be honest. He sure has been, and now let's get stuck into that game, and it is. Liverpool versus Manchester United. Here's Salah. He's got a run on goal. He's still going. And Salah for Liverpool! Have a little bit of that! Mohamed Salah wraps it up. And the roof comes off the famous old stadium once again. Yeah, Sammy, Liverpool for the most part... Pretty much just dominated the game. 2-0 was oh, maybe a fair scoreline, maybe a 3-1. Could have been what it you know, could have been. But for just, the most part, the result was fair. It was just another step in Liverpool, Liverpool's road to dominance throughout the year. So I don't think you're going to look at it too harshly in terms of United because they're coming in, they weren't expected to win. But then again, it was a costly loss in the grand scheme of things, given Chelsea lost as well, yeah. which makes it interesting. So... 
let, let, I'm going to ask you something here, Sammy. If let's just say, uh, sorry, not Chelsea. Let's just say Liverpool didn't get the win on the weekend and and still went on to win the title. Does that would Liverpool fans care that they didn't that they weren't didn't beat Man United in the season they won the league, or is that irrelevant? I think that's completely irrelevant. Completely to, irrelevant. To be honest, I mean. We know United and Liverpool have a, a, a go way back in terms of history, but there's no question about Liverpool's dominance over the year. That's what's going to be remembered. It's not going to be remembered that United couldn't could beat Liverpool. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, you know, I get. Who remembers? I'm pretty sure the 08 09 season, which is very largely considered United's best ever team, yeah. Liverpool actually didn't lose to them that season. But no one remembers. But no that. one cares that about yeah. that. It's like Richmond winning the 2019. Who who remembers who beat Richmond last year, Damon? I exactly. Don't, I don't. I just remember we won the flag. I just remember winning. 13 games in a row or something, yeah. whatever it was. It was, it was pretty, good stuff. It's pretty good. Now, Damon, we won't go too much into the tactics this week about this game specifically, but we saw Ole go into the game with very similar tactics to the reverse fixture earlier this season that actually saw United earn a draw against the league leaders. So why didn't it work this time for them? Well, it's, an, it's a really interesting one because I think looking at the game, you'd actually have to say that a lot of what Solskjaer wanted to get out of the game, he got. Williams nullified Alexander-Arnold reasonably well. I know he got the assist, but that was off a corner. Luke Shaw is a left centre-back. First time I'd ever seen him playing there. And to be honest with you, he probably played his best game for the season. Uh, Martial and James in behind the fullbacks, exactly the same as last time as strikers, worked, again, reasonably well. Um, And, you know, Pereira, Pereira obviously behind them, who, again, failed to find that final pass. But other than that, he played his role to his ability. I think, yeah. You know, speaking of ability, it's it's pretty much just a case of, I thought United tactically delivered as best as they could and they still got hammered. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what the lists are at at the moment, isn't it? Because we see Liverpool, the momentum they've got, they just keep finding a way to get the job done. United, on the other hand, other hand not in that space at the moment. And we saw that teams on paper, there's no match anymore. Uh, with, that, with Rashford out as well, it was just the confidence, the lead, the players, and that's what got them the job. Yeah, well, you know, at the, now it is uh, Schmeichel, Henderson, and Allison all have the equal most clean sheets in the league. Schmeichel's played 23, Henderson's played 22, and Allison's played 14 games. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> so it's just a, you know, a reflection of how good Liverpool have been, specifically the last two months. I don't think they've conceded since they conceded to Everton. And that was, you know, last year. Yeah. So, you know, that goes to show how good Liverpool are. I think and it, yeah, it also goes to show how well they've recruited over these past two seasons. But I don't want to go into that. Yeah, we should yeah, do it all the time. I think one thing to point out, though, is the difference in how Liverpool approached the game compared to the one at Old Trafford. And that was a lift from their midfield that probably let them down a little bit last time around. The two I want to specifically talk about is Juan Aldum and Jordan Henderson. I thought... Those two, statistically, probably on the ball, it doesn't show it. But watching the game, that they were unbelievable in midfield and really stepped up for, you know, because they almost probably knew that Robertson and Arnold weren't going to be whipping balls in every two seconds like they like to. They both, you know, 34 passes and 36 passes respectively. But it was it was the 100% tackle rate of Wijnaldum and 80% tackle rate of Henderson. Nine of 11 duels, he, Henderson won. One Eldon, three successful take-ons. One Eldon won 10 of his 15 duels. Like, every 50-50 ball, they were either nullifying it or winning. And Which is what you need. And this is what United lack in their midfield at the moment, is that presence. Exactly. And it's something that they can take from that game and be like, 
<laughs> this is what we need. Yeah, and it reminds me of last season when Fabinho pretty much ran the show at Anfield in a 3-1 yeah. win over United. A lot of people thought that Liverpool might struggle without that presence, but Wijnaldum and Henderson have taken up taken up the role incredibly well. So, you know, it's a credit to them. Yeah. And, I'm, yeah, I just think that, per, yeah. yeah, personally, that's exactly what Liverpool needed to do, and they did it. Definitely. And although we've spoken about Liverpool's midfield being good and United's being quite bad, I think there's one person we need to talk about from United who I actually thought couldn't do any more than what he did on the day, and that's Fred. I mean, he attempted the most passes. He had 71, and his most successful was 59 out of 71. It's a good, it's a good rate. So... Mm-hmm. He just, he, four interceptions, three successful take-ons, tackles one, three, and two key passes. I mean, you can't ask for much more from a midfielder. Whose team's getting whose dominated. Whose team's getting absolutely dominated in the midfield. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's, he's, done, he's done his job there, and I think he needs more help around him, but I think he's worth a shout-out because you he, he can't, he can't, he can't always group everyone into the same boat. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, like, there was, as I said, Luke Shaw probably played his best game for the season at left centre-back, and I thought Lindelof... Did really well to cover an Arawan Basaka who probably had his worst game for the season. At didn't really enjoy the wing back role too much. Now Liverpool have now won ninety one out of a possible ninety three points in the last year. Oh, that is incredible, incredible. They haven't lost since the first week of twenty nineteen. I haven't in- heard any. That's insane. Unbelievable. And you know they now if Sam if if Leicester oh, I think Leicester is second. Or Man- yep. I think Man City are second, actually. Yep. Whoever's second right now, if they win every single game and Liverpool win every single game, Liverpool will win the title against Manchester City. And that n- not only win them the title, that'll beat the Arsenal record of most games gone undefeated in a row. Can you imagine if they actually managed to keep going until then? That, to win the league against the team that's probably stole it from the two out of the last five seasons... And then beat the Arsenal record. It'd be unbelievable. But I think Liverpool fans just want the league. They don't care how yeah. they do it. 27 years has been a lot. It's a long time to wait. It so is. They deserve it. They certainly do. All right. Um, are we happy to wrap that game up? I think we're happy to bit? wrap that one up yeah. now. Let's move on to what is it, Damon? Winners and losers. Oi, did someone say winners and losers? Sure did, mate. All righty, Sammy. I'm going to kick this one off and... I'm going to kick it off because it's a team that Woody really, you know, took took under his wing other than Sheffield at the start of the year, and that was the Wolves. And the Wolves came back from 2-0 down on the weekend for the second time in just a matter of weeks, of course, did it against Manchester City. Uh, we spoke about um, the impact Raul Jimenez has had, especially, you know, in that first part of the year, and he bagged two along with Neto, who scored the first one for the Wolves. I just think Nuno Santos got this team working so well together where history suggests they shouldn't be, especially with this European football they're playing. And, you know, another reason they're my winner is because Man United, Tottenham, Arsenal, Sheffield, all dropping points around them. Uh, you know, they sit sixth, equal with United in fifth on points. Yeah. I, I think that they're, they're in a really, really good position to bolster that squad now and become a serious threat for even, you know, top yeah, four. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more with them. Good call. So mine this week is Sheffield. So the Blades, yet again, as Woody would like to say, but they proved to be one of the toughest teams to beat in the league, and especially that away from home. So they did ride their luck a little bit against Arsenal, where they probably deserved a 
penalty so that tackle on Pepe however that wasn't given and Scotsman John Fleck punished the Gunners to make it 1-1 with very little time remaining so they keep themselves in the hunt for the European leagues which is what we that would be insane if they could there's so many teams around oh. that sixth or fifth to about ninth that are looking for those Europa League spots and well, they're up for grabs. They are. The best thing. No one wants them. No one wants them yeah, at all. Everyone's doing all they can to not get them. Yeah. And the Blaze are just going to come through. Blaze <laughs> and Wolves. Oh, could you imagine Woody's going to be unbearable? Anyway, um, my loser of the week is... Oh, I've gone for a mixture here, and it's Bournemouth and their manager specifically, Eddie Howe. Now, I've written here, down, 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 and that's pretty much just sums up where they're going. Because, look, it was simply must win on the weekend, and instead... Uh, Cook, your namesake Sam, <laughs> pull, pull, pulled off a, a big, big time save. Unfortunately, he's not a goalkeeper, and he got sent off. And Norwich ended up winning from that penalty one nil. Mm. They now sit second bottom, uh, three points and goal difference from safety. Look, in the last six to twelve months, Eddie Howe's been linked as probably the third or fourth favourite in the jobs of the likes of Arsenal, Man United, Spurs, even Everton and West Ham recently. But he's about to relegate this. Squad. Yeah, this squad. And if you look at the squad, like Callum Wilson hasn't scored a Premier League goal 14 games. He he's, wasn't fire at the start of the player. season. He's, a, he's a quality player. And, you know, you look at the drop in form of Fraser and okay. Ake, Ake, yeah. Chelsea have uh, not n- not wanting to buy him back. They had the option to buy him back and they've just said no. Nah. Yeah. So it's a reflection of how poor they've been, and they're in big, big trouble now, and so is Eddie Howe's employment status. Fair enough, David. So mine this week is actually Chelsea, who we've been singing their praises for a bit this season so far, given their situation. But United playing Liverpool this week, as we already spoke about, a win to Chelsea would have almost guaranteed them an eight-point lead ahead of fifth. So what an opportunity they missed against Newcastle. They really had some troubles at home. We've seen them lose to Southampton and Bournemouth already, who you just spoke about, Damon. But I don't think anyone saw a 1-0 loss at home coming against Newcastle. Uh, so now, the next two games, they've got Arsenal and Leicester, and Lampard is really going to start to feel the heat of what it's like to be a manager. Yeah, he's, it's probably, he's going to start coming under pressure, isn't he? I he think is. Lampard, it's not like he's going to get sacked. He's not going to lose it? his job. Let's just get that. He's yeah. just, but like the pressure's starting to come. Yeah, and people will start questioning, of course, you know, we lots to talk about Solskjaer's resume, but at the end of the day, Lampard managed one season with Derby and didn't get them promoted. So he's, he's essentially achieved nothing. Lampard does have the backing of the fact that he has had no transfer window this year, though. So that they're going to give him, no matter what, this can be an anomaly season. And I think, as I've spoken about before, this season is going to prove invaluable come three years. So that's what I think. Sam's big call. But, you know, to be honest, the way uh, the likes of Kovacic and... Mount's probably had a little bit of a drop-off in form. Tammy, though. Yeah. All these guys, you know, they're going to have on and off days, but, yeah, they're going to be good, but that's good you, for the long run. That's what you've got to come to expect from youngsters, though, man. That is true. Like, you that can't, is true. That's always going to happen. Especially as the season goes on, they get tired. Speaking of getting tired... Here we go. <laughs> this, this Manchester City team that we thought was unbeatable, unbeatable. at times, especially 12 months ago, 12 months they ago. now look half the team they were, and it was... They came up against Pep's bogey team, to be honest, and that was Crystal Palace. So let's now have a look at Manchester City versus Crystal Palace. Zaha. Connor Rickon waiting in the centre. Taking on John Stone. Zaha, own goal! 2-2! Final minute of the 90. Palace didn't give it up. 
I'll tell you what, Sam. This one was one of the more bizarre games of the year. Because if you look, if you watch the game, not a lot happened. Mm. And it's so rare for a Manchester City game... To be boring? Yeah, and, and it was 2-2. But really, only the last 10 minutes were interesting. Yeah. City created next to nothing, just six shots on target. And for their lofty standards... It's pretty poor. That it, it's low. It Still- is... Aguero manages a brace. Someone stop that man. Yeah, I know. And, <laughs> and but again, he, he really that second goal was horrific defending from from Palace. The kick left him completely open. But Sam, let's get straight to into the VAR one, the VAR incident. Because personally, I think it's one of the most interesting VAR incidents of the season. I agree, absolutely. Uh, now, now, I want to hear re- your opinion on it first, and then I'll give you mine. All right. Well, when I watched it. Riedewald, it looked pretty clear-cut handball. Mm-hmm. You, the camera was sort of behind his back, but most of, you know, I think most of the crowd, obviously, because it was at the Eddie had, but most of people watching thought, oh, yeah, that's a penalty, 70th minute penalty. Here we go, City, you're going to you know, have a chance to equalise. And then it went to VAR and uh, it, it hit his foot mm-hmm. and then bounced into his hand. And look, I got reminded of a an incident... In the World Cup, actually, it was. I think it was the Nigeria versus Argentina game. I can't say I remember that game. Well, it was pretty much the exact same thing happened. I can't remember the player that it happened to, but pretty much the exact same thing happened. Yep. And VAR got involved in this one as well. And I thought at the time the decision in that game was wrong. And again, I had my doubts over this one. But Sam, you've come come to a little little idea that it might have been correct, and you're pretty sure it is correct. Well, I'm pretty sure it's correct, given I have the law here. All right. So, off the bat, the VAR was correct. Now, let me get a bit legal on your ass. All right. Law 12, it states, The handball isn't usually an offence when the ball comes off your own body and hits your hand. So, they've got it right. So, yeah, that, that pretty much it's just one sentence, bang. It is <laughs> right. all you need to say. Like, there's not a lot you can really do about it. That It's literally there. So, the ball, when it comes off your own body and hits your hand... It's considered, it's, it's considered incidental. Incidental, and I think that's fair. I mean, like it's. I feel like handball. If you, if you watch the play, it's so unlucky because it's a genuine defender's block of a cross. There is nothing you can do, and he did the right thing. Yeah. He put his foot in front of the ball. There's, like that. That's not. It can't be a handball. I've always subscribed to the opinion that for a handball to be called a handball, it has to be an intentional. Like you have to be putting your hand where intentionally where the ball is going to be to stop the ball. Yeah, yeah. Or or at least yourself. have a lip. Yeah, I, I get it's what you're saying. It's a bit stiff to have a ricochet. And it's very, very, it's especially very, off yourself. It's also very different if you've got an instinct, like I, I don't know if a lot of football players have this instinct being football players, but to stick your hand out, like that's completely different because that's intentional still. But yeah. I think they got it right. And I think it's better for the game, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. I, I was happy that wasn't given once I learnt the rule. Yeah. Um, now I just I will, I'll get into Man City first because they're obviously the team that you and you we learn most about when they don't win. Yeah, and I was really disappointed in two specific players, and these players who have been the last twenty four months been unbelievable, but this season they've either either you know scored two goals and assisted or been yeah absolutely nowhere, and they were Raheem Sterling and Bernardo Silva, and both were really poor. I thought both played way too safe. There was absolutely no risk-taking. Both players went at 90% passing accuracy. And now I know I'm big on my passing accuracy, but for a winger, you almost don't want it to be that high. Yeah. And the reason I say that is... Playing too safe, you think? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just didn't like... And it comes back to City only had six shots on target, and these two were a big reason why. Bernardo Silva only made four passes forward, and that was 10%, and Sterling only went forward 17% of the time. But remember, you are talking about wingers, and like they can't expect to be passing forward too much of the time. Like Surely it's a minimal stat for them. That is true, but I then want to compare it to wingers this weekend in the league. Keeping in mind, half these teams lost or drew. Okay. Everyone drew this week. Yeah, true. <laughs> William, 30% of his passes went forward, and he also had four shot assists. Neto went just 20% forward, but also had a shot assist. Pepe went 25% forward and had two shot assists. Mane went 27% forward and had two shot assists. Now, the lowest there is Pepe, and that's reasonably close to Sterling 17%, but Sterling didn't get a shot assist. And I'm just, you know, obviously each game is different and has its own circumstances, but I just felt that those two really were just passing it around the box, almost typical Man City, but it was a disappointing typical Man was, City. Yeah, well, and I noticed one thing. I noticed Pep's substitution. So after City went ahead, he brought Sterling off and brought Rodrigo on. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of a conversation we had on this podcast a few weeks, months ago, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And it was when we talked about when a team goes up and they bring on the defensive sub straight away. Or, you know... Late in the game. Sort late of thing. in the game. And I'm thinking, does that change the mindset of the team to go too defensive and, like, sit back too much instead of keep trying to attack? And, like... Is that a factor in them letting through the late goal again? I think it certainly invites pressure onto them. and But the problem is, uh, every team does it. It's just the way managers you know, go about it. It seems to be a very common thing in the football world. But for mine, I think managers with a resume avoid the criticism. Mm. I think We've seen Klopp do it multiple times. We've, of course, seen Pep do it a few times. I think the one we were talking about was maybe the United-Sheffield game, yeah. where uh, I think... Solskjaer brought on Twan Zibi and uh, United conceded you know, pretty soon after that to make it 3 all. So, you know, when it doesn't come off, managers come under scrutiny. But when it does, when they do make the sub and it works, no one comments on it. I feel like it. it's a lose-lose. Yeah. I, like it's, it's genuinely a lose-lose. You don't make the sub, they get scored. Why didn't you make the defensive sub? The other way, and then the other way speaks for itself. Obviously. Yeah, I, I think it's really harsh to criticise it, but at the same time, like on face value, you have to understand why people don't outside of football don't understand why you would do it. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. Anyway, um, let's just switch our attention to Crystal Palace because it's definitely worth mentioning them, and yeah, you know, we can talk about how poor and safe Man City were, but yeah, you know, you've definitely got to give credit to to Crystal Palace here and the the man on debut, Cenk Thompson, the the Turkish man. The Turkish international. He he ne- from Everton. He on loan from Everton. You know he's now the most, or the in the top three capped Turkish players in the Premier League now. Really? Yeah. Didn't I did, call me if I'm completely wrong here? But going back to his Everton debut, didn't he like oh, start ridiculously? Didn't he get a hat trick or something? Geez, Sam, you've really thrown me under the bus here. I wouldn't have a clue. I wouldn't have, we're gonna, I'm going to search this. Actually, you know, I'm going to search it up right now whilst we can continue discussing this. He, I, I actually think he had a ridiculous start because I remember when I used to play FIFA that one of the YouTubes I used to watch was a big fan because he had a ridiculous start to his Everton career and everyone's like, oh, Cenk Tosun, what a man, what a man. <laughs> so 
I don't know. It could be. It could be. But going on to his stats of this game while Damon gets that up, he had two shots, one goal, and five of five successful take-ons. And out of 23 duels, he won 13. So He was getting to every contest. He was like getting to every 23 game. duels in a game. It's, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the most passes on the team for Crystal Palace was the goalkeeper, Guaita. Yeah. So it gives you a reflection of... How the game went. Yeah, certainly. And now, Sam, I've got, I've got it up. In his Everton debut, he played 61 minutes in a 4-0 loss to Tottenham. <laughs> All right, about his second game? Um... He scored his first goal for a club in a 2-1 away loss to Burnley. (laughs) I've got that that horribly wrong. That's so grim. That's really bad. It's all right. To be honest, I'm pretty amazed that I've even found that. It was pretty difficult. Well, not difficult, but I'm surprised it wasn't as difficult. Um, It's a bit off script. Yeah, off script. But no, that's all right. Uh, uh, Quick Google search. It just shows my knowledge depth right there. Anyway, Sammy, I I just think... um, I would probably say that the most interesting that came out thing that came out of the game was two quotes from the same man from Cenk Tosin. <laughs> All right. Now, firstly, in 2017, <laughs> when the transfer failed to Crystal Palace, he said, about my transfer to Crystal Palace, I can say that I'm very happy that the move failed. <laughs> well, mate, now you're there. Yeah. Two years, three years later. Yeah. But he also said something really interesting after the game, and that was, it was nice to be told to go out and win the game when playing against Manchester City for the first time. So, as in... That says a bit about... Everton and Everton. their past managers. Mm. I think he said something about, you know, it was nice to not be told to do nothing and, and sit it back. It was nice not to be told to not lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which means, you know, it's yeah, a very different to go dialogue to go out and we want you boys to win. So a lot, it tells you a lot about the manager's belief in the, 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 the players he's got. Yeah, it's, it, I feel like it's probably the, a reflection of the way Palace have gone about it this season. They've uh, beaten Man United at Old Trafford. They've now drawn against Manchester City. They pushed uh, Liverpool real hard mm. at home. They've again pushed. Uh, they pushed Chelsea a reasonable amount. I think they only lost two 0 but they were in that game for a while. So they've performed well against the big clubs. I think the only one they really fell apart in was a four 0 loss to Tottenham. So, you know, they've been re- doing really well this season, even with injuries. I look at guys like uh, Riedewald, Kelly, Cahill, and Tompkins at the back. Yeah. I mean, they they were massive. They 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 cleared everything. I think of. Uh, Kelly's last ditch header just before City actually scored their second. Just little moments in the game yeah. that, you know, as I said, the Crystal Palace goalkeeper had the most touches on the field for them. They were defending for 90 minutes yeah. and they did it well. They got a point out of it. That's just the way you got to go about it at the Etihad. Yeah. And, but when your defence is doing that, it gives guys like Chektosin, uh, Zaha, all these types of guys to go on and try and win the game rather than help defend. A bit of life in them. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. So, yeah. Anyway, um, Pep now has uh, conceded, or oh, Manchester City, I should say, conceded the first goal in their last six of nine home league games. That's huge. That's as many as the first 60 games under Guardiola. That's an unbelievable start. They have capitulated this Manchester City team. And, you know... They're lucky everyone else is so bad. Yeah, they, they, they actually are. And, you know, I've seen a few people on social media start to question whether they are going to make top four. And I think... Is that... Pep the right man, Dame? Is he on the chopping block as well? <laughs> actually, I'll, say, I'll ask you a question here, Sammy. Is Pep Guardiola going to be the manager of Manchester City on day one of next season? Yes, probably. I reckon. You, you don't think he might 
jump ship, jump. <laughs> oh. I, I won't say jumping off the Titanic because City definitely aren't the Titanic, but you'd have to say that he would explore Pep, his options. I think. Do you think he Champions would. League success might have something to do with it? That's. Do you think they can win a trophy this season? In, oh no, I don't think they can win a, a major trophy this season. No, I think they'll probably win the Carabao Cup. I don't count that as a major trophy. Fair enough. I'm. Talk, I talk, I think. When I think major, I think Europa, Champions, and Premier League. And FA Cup. And FA Cup. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, spot on. I think you know Man City might really struggle to go, you know, far at all in the um, uh, in the Champions well, League. Champions League history precedes them. They're not that good in it for it's, some reason. It's really not great. It's at all. really poor, and for a team that's been so dominant in the in the home league, it's it's, it's bizarre. It is bizarre. Anyway, should we move on to a, a segment that we haven't had for quite a while? Actually, a long time. I can't remember the last time. I'm pretty keen to get stuck into it. So let's get stuck into on or off side. All right, Damon, here we go. First one in a while, I'm going to give it to you. All right. The Premier League is a better place with Pepe Reina in it. Massive, massive onside. The Spanish goalkeeper... Uh, recently signed last week by Aston Villa during the tra- obviously January transfer window, um, and this obviously has a lot to do with the Tom Heaton long-term injury. And for and um, the reason it's an onside is because of his introduction song that he did. It, I think it was like it sort of looked like their lunch break at the training grounds. He uh, he sang that uh, Spanish song La Bamba. You know that one's like, la ba 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 And he did it so well. Like, honestly, like I reckon I replayed the video you know, 10 to 15 times just because he did it so well. And you could tell he was happy to you know, be back in the Premier League. Even, funny enough, the video of him uh, sprinting down the whole field when Liverpool scored against Man United at Anfield yeah. back in like... T- 10 years ago now. He's a legend, Pepe yeah. And he like sprinted down. And then funny enough, this weekend, Alison did the exact same thing. And he said it was because he watched the Pepe yeah. Rainer video. So yeah, like obviously he's a great character and every club he goes to, he leaves a lasting impression. So it's fantastic to have him back. Sammy. Goal line technology is officially now the best introduction to the Premier League ever. Huge onside, Damon. Unlike the VAR, the goal line technology is clear-cut and absolute truth. It's so good. Wow, wow, wow. That final effort from LaMela against Watford, where the ball was literally like a millimetre? Uh, honest, uh, I, like I couldn't... Off the line? Like, what? It, it's unexplainable if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's... it's go and look at it. But, like, if that technology isn't there, that goal scored and... Tottenham lose. Yeah, so, actually, it would have been interesting to see what decision the referee makes. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we'll never know. Damon, i got another one for you. Alrighty. Inter Milan are putting every other club to shame when it comes to the activity, their activity in the current transfer market. Look, I'm, it's actually easier to say onside here, but I'm going to say offside for now because all I'm saying right now is it's easy to sign players uh, for, especially when they're out of favour at a club, but making them a successful signing is the hard bit. So far, Lukaku, you'd have to give that a tick. He's been dominating in the Serie A. Alexis Sanchez, although uh, Man United are play- paying a large amount of his salary still, he's been injured pretty much the whole time he's been at Inter Milan. Now just signed Ashley Young. Obviously, that's still a question mark at 34 years of age. And they've been linked with Ericsson, Moses, and Giroud. Of course, Giroud and Moses played under uh, Antonio Conte. 
So there's a little bit of a link there. And of course, Ericsson, you know, Conte still would have had a first-hand look at yeah. how good he can be. So, you know, a lot of these guys surely have the potential to be really good at Inter Milan. So this could turn into an onside. But for now, I just think if, if this potentially went wrong for Inter Milan, then you wonder how long it would set them back as a club off-field. Do you know what I mean? Like we've seen oh, like what can happen to clubs when they financially invest big. Yeah. And look at Manchester United. <laughs> that is very, very true. But, you know, you look at other teams like Leeds cut like 10 to 15 yeah. years ago as well. So they t- took a hit and it's taken them a while. Liverpool of the early 2000s. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. Sammy, last one. Woody's return next week is, the, is an essential one for the Premier League nightclub. I don't think I've ever been more sure. Of an offside. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've. I think we've been all right. He was worried about giving the reins away, as we all know, because he's a little control man. But he, he, it's been killing him not being here, and it's going to kill him even more when we don't let him back on, I reckon. He's, he's got involved in the docky route. He's used some pretty horrific yeah, language, which we're not going to repeat. Yeah, well, yeah, but he's a little you, bit offended. I'll, I'll see you in the NT, mate, you little gypsy. I've, I reckon he has messaged us or me individually i don't know about you sam but at least 15 to 20 times about how jealous he is of ollie gill of ollie gill yeah why don't you just talk to him on the phone mate (laughs) we've got his number we've got his number (laughs) all righty uh that pretty much wraps up all the segments we have for today of course yeah as just mentioned the woodra will be returning next week if you're listening to this before the midweek games it's come out probably on a tuesday so the new round starts tomorrow and in which case, you know, give this a listen pretty quickly if you haven't yeah. already. <laughs> if you've just skipped to the end for some yeah. reason. <laughs> if for some reason you're just like, I'm going to listen to the last 10 seconds of the podcast. I better... <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got... Good, good, and then, good call. And then it's about a week after till the next round of games. So we're going to be reviewing the midweek games in about a week from now. So stay tuned for that. Woody will be back. We'll all be back and you know, hope we apologize in advance. Yeah, we do. And I hope your team wins this week and has, you know, everyone have a good week because we won't hear from you for a week. Sammy, you happy to wrap it up? Happy to wrap it up. If they want to find us on the socials? Uh, at Premier League Nightclub on Instagram. And at PL Nightclub on Twitter. And I'm pretty sure we've almost confirmed that we're going to be making a TikTok because every time I rock up to the recording room, Sam's like, we need to make a TikTok. So that's pretty much going to happen inevitably but i don't know how successful it'll be but we'll give it a go on that note don't i'm out of here flop. this cost me my podcast don't let it flop damon i, w- I won't let you it don't flop. get what that means do you you're yeah. obviously not on tiktok all right fine just that. i'm not i'm not gonna bag tiktok because we're about to be on it but anyway i'm, I'm done i'm out of here see you sammy